If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest on Horse Chats is Darlene Swamver. Now, Darlene's been on before, number 210, and if you forget that number, you can just go to horsechats.com, search for Darlene, search for Swamver, which is S-V-A-M-V-U-R. Today, Darlene's going to talk about 10 things to consider when travelling horses. How are you today, Darlene? I'm not too bad. Yourself? Oh, very well. Very well. Living in Queensland, it's a um, great place to live. Life's pretty good, I think. I was going to say, it's probably a little bit warmer in Tassie at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Now, Darlene, you're obviously passionate about this subject. You know, you've got all the subject in the horse industry to talk about, but this is the one you chose. Why are you so passionate about this topic? Tell us about your first floating experience, your second floating. You know, just tell us a little bit about it. All right. So my first floating experience was perfect. It was wonderful. I was excited. I was picking up my first horse. Um, My instructor was there with me with his skill and knowledge. He was, you know, he he took charge of the situation. Mm -hmm. My horse loaded, no problems whatsoever. Traveled for, you know, three hours from where I collected him from, got to um, the riding school, no problems whatsoever. Thought, how hard can this be? Um, I was approximately 14 at the time. My second floating experience, first competition, really excited, had um, somebody else towing my horse and my horse ended up doing somersaults in the float and he got, yeah, he he was shredded. Um, He had a very traumatic experience. I had a very traumatic experience. Not only didn't we get to the competition, we also then had to get back from the competition, which was a level of stress that I just, it it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, And from there, I had to go through quite a big learning journey around floating uh, along with my parents. So my dad initially started the towing. Uh, He had towed many vehicles in his lifetime, but never a live vehicle, a living one, a breathing one. It is very different. Um, He then had to teach mum and subsequently, you know, pretty much as soon as I was allowed to tow, dad was teaching me to tow from the age of 17. Mm -hmm. And with that came a learning and understanding around my vehicles um, because dad was really big on that. So I got quite passionate about this topic and I would love to teach more people about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, let's get started then because we've got 10 points here and the first one we've got listed is your vehicle. So tell us about the type of vehicle you have and any sort of restrictions that we might have with the vehicle. And when we talk about floating, you know, we might talk occasionally about floating, which could mean a lorry, it could mean a truck, it could mean a trailer, depending on where you're from. But generally, we'll be talking about floating. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
So your vehicle, um, a lot of us pay attention to what vehicles we have. Uh, we want it to be able to, to carry our most precious asset, our horses. You need to know it. You need to understand what it can and can't do. And that comes across. Now, I'm trying not to use acronyms through this interview. However, Good. they may slip out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll start with the gross vehicle mass. Um, and a lot of car um, dealers will also revert to these acronyms. And as horse owners, we're just going, well, what does that mean? I, mm. I don't understand. Yep. So looking through your gross vehicle mass, it's the maximum weight that your vehicle can carry, including its own weight. And a lot of people have that misconception around it's, oh, it's just how much my vehicle weighs. And it's like, no, it's actually how much it the vehicle itself is allowed to carry. Now, that includes any accessories. If you're like me, I like my bull bar on it. Um, you often have hay in the back. You've got fuel. You've got your driver. Um, it includes all those components, and we don't often think about that. Yes. It then also comes down to your tow ball download. Which oh, that's point number two, is it? Tow ball it download. Is. Yep, tow ball it download. Yep. They link, yeah, they link into each other. Mm-hmm. So point number two, which is your tow board ball download, it's actually the amount of weight your tow bar is actually allowed to safely and efficiently carry. Any quality tow bar will actually have a placard or a card on it showing what the maximum tow bar capacity is and what the maximum download, so the weight of the actual connection point, can you know what it can actually take. So yep. make sure when you do choose your tow bar, you're choosing it that is designed specifically to suit what we're doing. So it's towing our horses, our, our floats, our lorries, and make sure it meets those requirements. A lot of the tow balls often are underrated for horse floats specifically. Mm-hmm. They're generally there for a box trailer or even a camper trailer. When we start adding the weight behind us, uh, just double check your tow ball. Yep. Okay. Okay, and I think that's a good check for people as well. We'll summarise this at the end, but, you know, just thinking about the checks as you go through. Now, the third point you've got is your float, which is also your trailer, your lorry, your truck, you know, whatever you're using. But we're talking now about a float, which is like a a horse trailer behind a car. So can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So your float, just like your car, has its own weight Mm -hmm. initially, so just its own empty weight. With that comes through, so your regulations that relate to that particular float. Okay. Um, so you, these sort of intermingle here, these these points. So <laughs> I hope I'm not jumping ahead. <laughs> That's all right. We'll try and keep you on track. We're on to number three now, your float. So keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it basically your float, it's anything that covers – what trails behind your vehicle. So it can be a single axle box trailer. It can be a tra- um, camper trailer. In our cases, it's often our horse floats. Um, it has a tear mass. So the tear mass, and unlike a motor vehicle, it doesn't actually include the fluids like a water tank that we often put on our float. Mm-hmm. Yep. It doesn't include any other tanks or toilet systems, especially if you have got those, those bigger floats that, have a little kitchenette at the front as well as a little camping area. Yep. And so this is now known as your dry weight. So your floats, you often come out of manufacturer as a dry weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, good. All right. Now the regulations, this is very important. We don't want to be pulled up on the way to our competition or wherever we're going. 
Yep, not not, not just for no. that, not just to be pulled up. We want to be safe as well, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sa- safety, absolutely. Mm. I will just say this is different in each state or territory, so mm-hmm. definitely make sure go onto your own transport page. Make sure you're meeting your state and territory's regulations. If you're travelling between states, also do a double check of the state you're travelling to yep. because each state, and I'll refer to the ones here in Tassie, have their own regulations. Um, we have requirements, particularly around our couplings. They have to be weight rated. Our train has to be weight rated. Mm-hmm. And people often go, oh, it, it's got the one chain. It's it's weighted for, you know, three ton. But the actual regulation states, no, you need two chains, you know, two separate connection points and each chain then rated to two ton or three ton, whatever mm-hmm. that state's yes. regulation might be. Okay, good. And then it also goes down to that weight breaking around your toe ball as well. So it does interlink here. Definitely just highly recommend check your state's um, regulations around what is legally required when connecting your float up. Yep, yep. All right, so we've talked about the vehicle and the float, but we haven't talked now about the servicing that's required for a float. So can you talk about that? Yeah, this this one always um, I, I chuckle about because I'll often ask students and say, hey, when did you last service your float? And they look at me and go, what do you mean service your float? <laughs> yes. It's like, well, you service your car every six months. Why wouldn't you service your float? And they're like, oh, what is there to service? You know, they just think they put their horse on it and it's all hunky-dory. But there's quite a few components to your float that regularly needs checking. Uh, your braking system, so knowing what your braking system is, whether it's hydraulic, electric, given most of the weight we carry, they should be electric and possibly with a breakaway system. So making sure all the fluids are there. Mm-hmm. Um, regularly checking your tyres. Your tyre pressures will change under load. They'll also change depending on your climate. Whether it's hot or cold, you need to regularly check it. Um, th- that just goes, I hope to say it goes without saying but you know, people will say oh no I checked it six months ago sure. well, six months ago we were in summer and you know your tyre pressures would have expanded but however now we're in winter and you, they, they would have reduced in size mm-hmm. so double check your tyre pressure your wheel bearings uh, these ones often you go to a mechanic uh, get them to pop your wheels off grease up your wheel bearings it's a messy job it's not pleasant most mechanics will go oh no really but <laughs> That is what keeps your wheel spinning. I have come across a float fire um, just because the bearings had dried out and overheated and the friction had caused a fire. So double check your wheel bearings and um, your handbrake and floors. That's just a double check when it's unhooked. Make sure your handbrake's working effectively and make sure your floors haven't rotted through. Horses wee, they poo in the the float and, you know, often are wooden floors and each wooden floor had a lifespan. Yes, yes, that's right. And I think that's one thing that doesn't get checked, doesn't it? You know, get in underneath and have a look. Don't just sort of have a look from on top, but get in underneath and have a look and look around the edges. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Look around the edges, um, go on underneath and, mm. you know, you, you'll feel the softness. It, it does occur. Yep, yep, yep. All right, now number six, and I know you talked a little bit about, we've sort of got number six gross trailer mass and then the gross combination mass. So if we talk about the gross trailer mass first as number six, that'd be great. Yep, absolutely. So gross trailer mass, just like your vehicle mass, your trailer has restrictions on how much it can carry as well. The maximum axle load um, 
is what your trailer is designed to carry as specified by its manufacturer. Mm-hmm. It is co- it's the combined weight of your trailer, your float, your lorry, and its load, but it doesn't include the tow bar download. So this this component doesn't include that tow bar component, um, the tow bar download. Yep. And it's again, this is normally displayed either on a placard or within the manual of your if your of your float if you ha- happen to get one of those. And it's really important to know what the figure is. If you've got th- two two big horses mm-hmm. and you're also got a tack box in there that's then carrying everything, you may unknowingly be exceeding what that trailer is legally allowed to carry. Okay. Okay. Yes, because you think of just carrying the horses and how much do they weigh, but it's all that extra stuff, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is. Mm. It is. We, we forget, you know, two saddles, a couple of bridles, uh, 25 litres of water, and, and suddenly there's another 100 kilos you've just added in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now, so that was the gross trailer mass, gross combination mass. So the gross trailer mass, and I know we just said we're not going to talk about acronyms, but it's GTM, but the gross combination mass is GCM. Yes, yes. And now this is the one that often catches people out. When you are told that your vehicle has a gross combination mass, a GCM, this is the maximum weight allowed for your vehicle and trailer combined as specified by the tow vehicle's manufacturer. Mm-hmm. This is where you really have to pay quite close attention to your vehicle's GVM, which is the gross vehicle mass, as well as your trailer's GTM, so your gross trailer mass, because these two figures ultimately determine what the gross combination mass is. And the only way I can explain this is by giving you an example. So your car comes out, it's got a curb mass of 2.5 ton. Mm -hmm. It has a vehicle mass of 3.5 tons. So your car can carry one ton on top of its own weight. Yes, okay. But it then has a combination mass of 5 tons. So your car empty can tow 2.5 ton, but now you've loaded your car up to its full potential, so it's now carrying 3.5 ton. Suddenly, your car can now only tow an additional 1.5 ton. Mm, mm. And, and I think that's that where all this comes in, doesn't it? Because you forget about loading up the car and the people in the yeah. car, and yeah, yeah, yep, and and you're doing so. I mean, if I look at my float, my float's got a, a weight of one ton. By the time I add two horses, there's another ton. My gear, okay, another 100 kilos, couple of hundred kilos perhaps. And suddenly I'm carrying 2.2 ton behind me. And you're like, oh, but I've got a 2.5 towing capacity. Oh, but I didn't factor in that I've, you know, I've put a couple of bales in the back of my tray. I'm carrying water. I'm carrying all my camping gear, food for myself for the the entire weekend. Oh, and I'm carrying two other people. Um, So those numbers often, yeah, they they don't marry up all that often. And it's just, it's an education thing. When you start learning what the figures are and how much you're carrying, you can then start making these decisions around, okay, well, I am at the limit of my capacity. I will just take this trip slightly slower or or so on. Yep. All right. So up until now, we've talked about the vehicle and the float and the weight. We've spent quite a, a fair bit of time. We've covered seven points there, but we haven't even started talking about the horses. So point number eight is the training the horses. What should we do in preparation 
for traveling? What, how should we train our horses? All right, horses, this is this is very individual. You will find things that work and you'll find things that don't work. I like my horses to self-load. I like my horses to be able to stand on the float for half an hour if need be, um, up, up to eight hours because for joy of Tasmanians, you need to cross the Bass Strait, which means them in a truck or trailer mm. for eight hours crossing. Is that how long <laughs> so the actual train, trip takes? Is it eight hours? Eight hours on yeah. the boat itself. That's yeah. not including the standing time before or after. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> and you travel to and from, don't you? You know, you, you don't yeah, just get on, you travel to the barge and then off the barge. And for those people who don't understand where Tassie is, it's actually Tasmania. So, yep, keep talking. Keep talking, Darlene. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, Sam, down in Tassie. Um, yes. So I like my horses to be able to, to self-load. They like to be able to stand. I've also been at a competition where it's been horrible outside and just to give them a break out of the weather during between classes, I'll just chuck them on the float there. Mm-hmm. There. They know it's a safe place. Yep. Yeah. With actual traveling themselves, there's a lot of education out there around what you should or shouldn't do. And mm-hmm. as I said before, this comes down to individuals. Some yep. horses can travel with full boots, some horses can travel with short boots, some horses can't travel with at all because they end up doing somersaults in the float. Center dividers in the middle on the side. All I can recommend is try it. Find out what works for you and your horse and where you're traveling to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Generally speaking, if you do it wrong, you're going to know about it. So I like to call this a self-correcting error. (laughs) It's only one way you're going to find out is when it goes wrong. Um, But uh, keeping that in mind, train your horses, know who they float well with, who they don't float well with, and tying up. There's so many recommendations out there. Tie a horse up. Don't tie a horse up. Um, tie it at this point. Tie it at that point. I've got five horses. They all travel slightly differently, and I just I, I travel to the best of their abilities, and I do it safely. Okay. Okay. All right. Then number nine, you've got driving. But I think something very important for anyone who hasn't done it, it's certainly an education, it's understanding how it feels back there. You know, so traveling in the back of a trailer, in the back of a truck with a horse, it's just different. You know, you can, you really, it really is an education yourself. So would you like to talk about that? It is. So one of the things I do when I give a fitting lesson, the first thing I do is I'll put people in the float and I will drive around my property uh, where it's safe and I'm not breaking any rules. Mm-hmm. I will go up a hill, down a hill, around a corner, and I'll say to them, don't hang on. you one thing you're not allowed to do is actually hang on to the chest bar or, or onto the side. And around my property, I won't exceed 20 kilometers. Mm. And they come out of it going, wow, even at that speed, we were being thrown around that float. Yep. And I'm like, yep, yeah, understand how it feels. Your sudden movements, your sudden acceleration braking, that impacts how the horse keeps their balance in there. So whether they're traveling straight or on an angle – they will still move around that float. So with that understanding, you can then go behind the wheel, know what it's like. And as a driver, you need to prepare. So prepare your trip. Prepare how you're going to take your corners, where you break, you know. Unfortunately, we have lots of people on the roads and they don't always appreciate that we're carrying a live animal behind us and they'll just cut in front of us and reduce that braking distance that we might have. 
Um, so be aware of that. Keep an eye around you when you're driving. Make sure you know you are doing everything within your ability to keep you and your horse safe while okay. traveling on the road. One of the other really important thing is before every journey, check your float, check your connection points, check your brakes, your indicators, um, your doors and latches, that your horses are secured in their positions that they need to be. You're the driver. You're responsible at the end of the day from getting from point A to point B. And in the same breath, if I'm carrying someone else's horse, I expect them to go around and check the, the connection points, check that the horses and the latches and the float is all okay because it's just as much their responsibility. One of the biggest mistakes I made, I trusted my brother to connect my float up and, you know, lo and behold, down a highway 20 minutes, um, 20 metres, sorry, from my driveway and uh, my float's now disconnected because oh, I didn't check no. it. Yes. That that. That was my responsibility. I was driving. I should have simply just checked that the latch had gone down on the tow hitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really important as a driver, prepare and check. All right. Now we've covered nine points so far and they're very important points. But point number 10 is what to do when something goes wrong. What have you got to say about that? Yes. Yeah, so in the perfect world, nothing will go wrong, but we don't live in the perfect world. Things can go wrong. They do go wrong regularly. Work out what the severity of the issues that might go wrong. You may just get a, a, a tire blowout. Can you change that? Mm-hmm. Do you know how to change that with a, a fully loaded float? If your horse goes down, you know, what are you going to do in that instance? If you have an accident, if a floor collapses, what can you do to prepare for this? Because it doesn't happen to us every day. Hopefully, it doesn't happen to us every at day. all. <laughs> um, at all, or ever. Yes, yes. Run through the scenarios that you might actually have. Who would you call in these in these situations? Whether it's a minor one, going, "Hey, yep, actually, I've got that one under control. That's fine." But hey, I've just had a horse go down. I'm going to call this person because I know that they're the close by. They have the necessary skills or the ability to help me out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Travel with a first aid kit, I cannot re- recommend that enough. Travel with extra ropes, you never know when you're going to need extra ropes. Cutters, we don't want to use them, but if you've got them, they're, oh, they will make the biggest difference because often your ropes will get tightened in an accident. The tire changing, I'm going to call them thingies. <laughs> <laughs> um, we often think that we have one in the car and yeah. that's fine. But as a matter of fact, the bolts on your horse float may be a different size. So suddenly the one that you have in your car doesn't actually fit your float. Mm -hmm. So make sure the one that you do have is either a multi-bolt size or get one specifically for the float. So if you need to change the tyre, you have the right tools on you to do it then and there. And know how to dismantle your float. If your horse goes down, often... Um, the floats manufactured these days, they disassemble quite nicely from the inside. Yep. Know where all the pins are. Know how you can leverage things to get them out because that is often in the first instance of an accident or a horse going down, you need to dismantle it to be able to get in and then get the horse out um, Mm -hmm. safely. And that way you're not at risk of getting crushed between your float bits coming off and down as the horse jumps around in there. So know your equipment, know your float, know your horse and think about these scenarios. We don't want it to happen, but it may happen and the 
best way you can do, um, best way you can deal with it is by being prepared for that. Okay, good, good. Now, darling, let's just go through these points. There's a couple of things that I want to ask you in a minute, but just to summarise, can we just go through and you pick out just the main tip or, or something about each of the points? So the first point we talked about was your vehicle. What can you say just in summary about that? Your vehicle, know what its maximum weight is that it can carry Okay, just Good. on its own. Yep. The tow bar download. Double check your tow ball. Make sure it is weighted correctly for what you're towing. Good, good. All right, now your float or also your trailer. Your trailer, know what that weighs, completely empty. Good. All right, and regulations. That's number four, the regulations. So with, with the regulations, it is double-check with your state or territory's transport authority. Make sure you're meeting those regulations. Good. All right. Now, the next one we talked about servicing your float. That's point number five. Yeah. At a minimum, your float should be serviced every 12 months. Okay. And number six was the gross trailer mass, which is the GTM. Yes, GTM. Make sure that you know what limits this your float now can carry. Okay, good. And that includes everything else, doesn't it? It's not just the horses, it's the bales of hay, it's the water, it's everything else that you've got in there. Yes, yep, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything that goes into your trailer has to be accounted for. Yep. And the same thing here, the gross combination mass, which is the GCM. Yep. Double check that between your gross vehicle mass and your gross trailer mass, you're now not exceeding the gross combination mass of those two items together. Okay. And if that's a little bit over your head for some people, we've got a reference down here. So just hang on for a bit. <laughs> okay. Now that's number seven. And next thing we talked about, the training of the horses. Yep. Training your horses, find out what works for you and find out what works for your horse. Mm-hmm. And everyone's an individual, aren't they? They are. Yep. yep. All right. Number nine was the driving and understanding how it feels back there. Yep. Driving, be prepared for your journey, understand what the horse is going through and work from there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, number 10, what to do if something goes wrong? Run through the scenarios, prepare, plan and make sure that if something, heaven forbid, does go wrong, you are at least ready as an individual on your own to handle it. Yeah, okay. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. Now, I've got to ask you a question. So thinking about, you know, we talked initially about the first floating experience and the second floating experience, and you didn't have a very good experience with that. What would you have done different? What do you know now that you would have done different on that trip? Uh, what I know now mm. would be I would have done a lot more checks. I would have given my horse a better setup in the float itself. Okay, yep. To deal with that particular trip. Um, mm-hmm. Even though he was booted and had the correct safety gear on, He didn't have the room of the float. I didn't know the float. Um, He didn't have the room in the float to be able to travel safely, which is what resulted in him doing the somersault. So if I even knew half of everything I've spoken about today, my horse would have arrived in in one piece. But at the same time, if I didn't know what I thought, because of that experience, I've armed myself with all this information Mm. to, you know, 
be able to pass it on and travel any horse anywhere safely. Good, good. All right. Now, a couple of references you had here. You had www.redbook.com.au to do with the vehicle loads. And also there's one here, and we'll put the full link on your page, which will be horsechats.com slash darleneswormver2, or else just go to horsechat search for Darlene. But it comes from carsguide.com.au. And, um, you know, it's quite a long link there, so we'll just put it in. But I'm sure if you went to carsguide.com.au and searched for um, some of the information you talked about, you'd be able to have that anyway. Uh, otherwise, go to Horse Chats and have a look and um, get that extra information. Yeah. Yep. No, both those links will be very helpful um, in just understanding the, the weight. And okay, also good. learning about what your vehicle can and can't do. Okay. Now, Darlene, particularly, this is particularly if people are, are living in Tassie or Tasmania and are having problems with their floating their horse and they'd like to contact you, what's the best way to contact you? So, um, I, being an Equestrian Australia coach, you can find me on the Equestrian Australia website, search under coaches. Mm-hmm. My contact details are up there, so either via email or mobile please feel free to to call me. All I want to see is happy horses, happy riders arriving to their competitions or doing what they want to do and love the most. Good. And those details will be on Horse Chats as well on Darlene's page, Darlene's page number two. And um, if you want to go there, have a look at those links, just go to Horse Chats and get all all those details. Darlene, thank you. No one's talked in the detail that you've talked about with the travelling horses in that particular area, you know, really relating to safety and and um, just understanding your vehicles, understanding the regulations. And while you said that every state, territory, country is going to be different, you've got to have a bit of an idea and on what's safe when travelling horses. So thank you for that. We look forward to talking to you again sometime. Oh, definitely. Thank you very much for having me. I, I do appreciate this. Okay. Thanks, Darlene. Bye. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 